630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 Chad. Swings in the left corner, pops it back to the point. Latestu could not negotiate contact on the pass. Rolls the length of the ice, turning it over. Is Camp Talbot. It's a two-on-one the other way. Jurish finds his man open a shot. They score! Lucas Volmark. Oilers were completing a change up ice. Well, complete domination by the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. They take down the Edmonton Oilers 6-2 at Rogers Place. It's the Oilers' first loss of the 2017 preseason. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for joining us. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. We have a lot to talk about tonight. Certainly the team play, some individual stories stand out as Kyler Yamamoto scores again for Edmonton, five goals in four preseason games. The very short summary is this. There was not a single aspect of the game in which the Edmonton Oilers were superior to the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. And it was that way from the opening faceoff. A dominant first period by Carolina. They outshot Edmonton 15-4. Quite frankly, the Oilers were a little fortunate to be down only 2-1 after the first period. Cam Talbot did make some good saves in the first. Ryan Strom got a goal late in the first period that actually tied at 1-1, and you thought, oh my goodness, maybe the Oilers are going to get out of this disaster in a tie, but then Carolina scored with a minute to go, a power play goal by Taravainen. The second period, okay, Carolina's still better. Oilers had a few more chances. You're thinking maybe, maybe there's still a goal down. Then all of a sudden, at 11.09, Volmark gets that shorthanded goal. Exactly two minutes they, later, they get another goal on a two-man advantage, and it was 4-1. It was pretty much lights out after that, 4-2 after two, and then Jordan Stahl with a couple to really ice it in the third period. You can reach us, 780 780- 496-0063. You can text us at 630-630 as we bring Rob in. And, well, before we get to some of the individual stories and maybe some of the position paddles, I mean, that was just uh, that was just a, a great game by Carolina and a poor game by the Oilers. It, it was. It was sloppy by Edmonton right from the start. Carolina came out and were flying in the first period. Shots were 15-4. 2-1 it, it, did not do justice to what the first period should have been for the Carolina Hurricanes. And you thought, with well, you, you know, the Oilers score the goal like, from Strom. Maybe things are going to turn around. But uh, a, a few things that really stood out. The Oilers undisciplined. They took a lot of penalties. Three penalties, I think, in the first period, all in the offensive zone. So you, you penalties that you don't need to take needless penalties, and Caroline had a good penal, power play tonight. Penalty killing was not very good for the Oilers. The face-offs, now I saw that it was fairly close on the sheet. I disagree on that because it seemed like Carolina won every face-off tonight. And then battles around the blue lines. The Oilers had numerous chances to get the pucks out at the blue line. They would turn the puck over and the Carolina Hurricanes would just come back with another surge. And all of a sudden the Oilers got stuck running around in their own zone. So this was a game where I do believe the score was quite indicative of the way the game was played. The Carolina Hurricanes tonight were just a much better team than the Edmonton Oilers were. You make a great point about the area around the blue lines. We, we usually talk about that several times throughout the season because that, that's a key area to the ice, and you mentioned how many failed clears the Oilers had and how many times on the attack. I mean, how, uh, Connor McDavid had more passes intercepted trying to enter the zone tonight than he probably had in a lot of 10-game stretches all, all of last season. Well, and a lot of it had to do with, well, at that point, I think Connor started trying to get a little individualist or be a little more individual with the puck since because nothing was going right. So most star players try to do a little bit more, and that cost them. But I think the biggest thing was Carolina back pressure was very, very good. They came back. They didn't quit on play. So when they were coming up on the blue line, the fenceman would stand up, and all of a sudden a defender would come back, and they'd get a stick in a lane and then back the other way. Carolina, they got a pretty good team. 
They work hard. They are fast. They got defense that moved the puck up quickly. And now they have a goalie in Darling. And if he turns out what they want him to be, maybe they are what the Edmonton Oilers did when Cam Talbot came and played net for them. Yeah, Darling winds up with 19 saves tonight. Cam Talbot with 23 saves. Talbot actually made several good saves. He did make a gaffe on the one play. Mm -hmm. He was trying to get it up ice, and, and the pass got intercepted. And you talk about the penalties, Rob, and... The Oilers, the first goal Carolina got was on a two-man advantage. I, I, I thought it was a well-refereed game, though I did think that call on Kerr to put the Oilers down too was a little marginal because he didn't really... It was one of those whacks on the pants that Stephen Wacom said to Bob earlier this week, let's not call those. Okay, they call it, Carolina gets the goal, and I'm thinking, I think I even tweeted it out, I'm like, all right, the Oilers are getting the next power play, but they didn't and because they weren't skating. I mean, mm -hmm. you can't... You can't I, I do, th I mean, I do, but the refs will tell you they don't. But I do believe they count the power plays. They know when they put a team down, too. But, I mean, they, 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 the Oilers didn't, you have to put the pressure on the ref to make the call. They just never did that. Well, the team that's getting called is a team that is chasing. And, and the Oilers chased all night long, right from the opening faceoff. They were chasing. They were So they had to have sticks on people, hooks, poles, stuff like that, because Caroline had the puck the whole time. Carolina just, they played a perfect game. Now, this is just one game, and uh, there's not, I don't know if you read a whole lot into it, but I'm sure that Todd McClellan's not going to be happy. I know that the players in the dressing room are not going to be happy. Things were going very well, and this is the first real test they had, and it's a test that didn't go well for the Edmonton Oilers. Some players that were needed to have good games, that wanted to show that they're capable of playing in top six minutes, did not have strong games tonight. So, the the only player, and honestly, we talked about it with Bob, the only player that I thought uh, played to his potential was Yamamoto, who, who created some good things. And there was other players. I thought Pilyarvi, he, he, he made some nice plays offensively in the offensive zone, but there was turnovers in the defensive zone. And I think that if you want to play with Connor McDavid, if you want to get top six minutes, you've got to make sure that you do the right things in your own zone. Todd McClellan is a stickler to details, and I think that's one of the reasons you saw uh, Poliarvi move down in the lineup because in his own zone, he wasn't as strong as he needed to be. 6-2 is the final for Carolina. Jordan Stahl had two goals and an assist. Yanni Kwakinen had a goal and two assists, and Tavo Teravainen with two power play goals. For the Oilers, Yamamoto and Strom were the goal scorers. Jokinen, Clefbaum, Benning, and Nugent Hopkins drew helpers tonight. If you're on hold, we are going to get to you. We're going to go live to Oilers head coach Todd McClellan in, in a minute or two. We're just waiting for him to talk downstairs, so we don't want to uh, cut off a caller midstream once McClellan uh, gets to the mic, so just hang tight if you're on hold. So, okay, the Oilers have two preseason games left. They're going to play against Carolina again. That'll be in Saskatoon on Wednesday. We have it on Chad, 5.30 for the face-off show, 7 o'clock for the drop of the puck. Then they're at Vancouver on Saturday night. Uh, now, we'll see if the Oilers announce any assignments tonight. They did while we were on air on Saturday. Do you just do you just keep playing Yamamoto and Puliyarvi at this point? Uh, I, I think, well, I believe you will in the game in Saskatoon be, simply because uh, there's a little bit of a gentleman's agreement where they're both putting their best lineups here tonight and then it won't be as strong in Saskatoon. So I, I would play both of them because I don't think Pugliarvi yet has solidified a spot. And I think Yamamoto continues to impress and give him another opportunity to impress. And then I would believe there'd be a whole bunch of cuts after that game and the Saturday night game against the Vancouver Canucks will be one where I would imagine you will have your full lineup in the in the game to prepare for that first game against Calgary, the home opener. So yeah, I would have Pugliarvi as well as Yamamoto in the next game, and I would, I might have Strom in that game too because he's another guy battling for that spot in one of the top two lines. Yeah, he was a little up and down tonight. I, yeah. I, I, now, having said that, let's not. There was nobody. This, this wasn't obviously a yeah. great game for him. But I, I like Strom's goal because that's the body position you need. I, yep. mean, I mean, Todd McClellan uses that phrase, "play inside." He, he, I mean, he just got his button there and got much better position than uh, I think it was. Uh, was that Sl Slavin? I think it was Sla that yeah, Slavin. You know, and then he just taps the taps the puck in, but he did all the work to to get there before the puck. Yeah, was there. the battle was the work. the The goal was the benef the benefactor or the beneficial uh, ending to working hard in front of the net, battling against a guy bigger than you. I I do believe from what I've seen in the games thus far that that Strom has looked better 
playing with Nugent Hopkins than he did with Connor McDavid. Now, it, again, it's so early in the season, and throughout the year, lines change almost daily. But Strom has looked more comfortable with Nugent Hopkins. And I, and I think a big reason for this is there's certain players that I've played with throughout my career that are great to play with. They're just easy to play with. And I think UC Jokinen is one of those players. I think he's just a player that is very easy to play with. He's simple. He makes smart plays. He's always in the right spot. And I think that you... I think both RNH and right. Strom will benefit playing with him. Downstairs, here's Todd like McClellan. That? What were you thinking? Yeah, you know, it, um, those are dangerous words when you say it's only a preseason game. I hate hearing those words, uh, whether you win or lose, um, especially when you're outworked. And we were outworked tonight. It was simple as that. They had a lot more interest in the game than, than we did, I thought. And uh, the results showed for it. They beat us to a lot of pucks. They won a lot of the the simple battles that need to be won in a game. It, it, it's not even about systems or structure or anything like that. It's just that, that competition level. Uh, theirs was at a much higher pace and, and commitment level than ours was. So, um, you know, disappointed that we lost, but I think it would be a good thing for our team. Give us a, a, a chance to refocus and practice tomorrow. Work, get back to work. We've been in this uh, pregame skate. Uh, play a game, have a day off routine for about four or five days. Now we're going to get back to work. Todd, they're, obviously they're cracking down those little slashes on the hands now. Is that almost an extinct, extinctive thing for players now and you have to kind of reteach it and not to be able to? I think you're, you're accurate there. Um, you know, the interesting thing is I thought until tonight we've done a fairly good job with it. But when you get a little bit lazy, you tend to reach and your hands come up and you start to hack and whack. And uh, you have to learn how to check with your legs. You can't check with your hands and slashing. And um, uh, we can sit here and, and uh, you know, bitch about the quality of call. But we knew it was coming, and we put ourselves in that situation because we didn't want to work. Can you assess Yamamoto's play? I thought he was one of your best. I thought he was one of our best. Well, you're saying it at the same time I am. I thought he was one of our best forwards again tonight. Um, He's kind of just steadily played his game. Um, he got pucks out when he needed to. He made plays. No glaring turnovers. I thought he managed his shift length well, where we had some other guys that milked it and went a little too long. Um, they'll find a way to get to the blue paint and uh, touch one in for a goal. So it's, it's been impressive watching him. So the, where your team's at now, after years of 18-year-olds walking in the door and making this team, that's probably not supposed to happen anymore, especially one that weighs 155 pounds. Uh, is he giving you more to think about than you thought he might? Absolutely. Good for him. I'm excited about it. You know, and um, not supposed to, the 18 year old isn't supposed to step in and play, but when he continues to open your eyes, and you guys wouldn't be asking me, me these questions if he wasn't opening yours, um, he deserves the opportunity to keep on going. And, um, I don't care who plays on our team. We need 23 guys to wear jerseys. Um, whether he's 18 or 38, we want to win. And it doesn't matter to me what their names are or how big they are. If they if they can get the job done, then they should play. Okay, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan, courtesy of GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Pretty to the point there as the Oilers are trampled tonight, 6-2 by the Hurricanes. He said his team was outworked. He said Carolina had more interest in the game. That's an interesting way to put it, and I think very accurate. And he said Kyler Yamamoto, one of the best forwards for the Oilers tonight who gets another goal, five and four preseason games. And as McClellan said, he deserves a chance to keep going. And I mean, he said it there, you, you put the 23 best players on the team. And I, I referenced a few days ago, Rob, that coaches have that cliche that sometimes we in the media, and I'm sure fans will roll their eyes at when they say, well, we don't pick the team. The players, the players pick the team. But I, I mean, sometimes you, a player doesn't give a coach much choice and to Yamamoto's credit, he's doing that so far. Well, as a player, all you can control, you can't control what the coaches think, what the GM thinks, what the other players do. You can simply control what you do on the ice. And Yamamoto has come in and done everything he's needed to do. Um, he, he's doing the little things. And I think that uh, 
Todd referenced that too, and this is what I went back to the PRV thing. Yamamoto's doing the right things when he has the puck, and he's making plays, and he's scoring goals. But if he was a detriment into his own zone, then they'd be sending him back to junior, no no thought about it, simply because he's got to improve there. But he said he's doing all the right things. He's getting pucks out. He's being in the right position. Those things are important, and he's doing that. Whereas Puyarvi, as we talked about tonight, was good when he had the puck on a stick, made a couple really nice plays. One rush where he went right around the defender and then tried hitting Drysaddle back door. But the turnovers, he there was the, the one goal that it turned into, I believe it was the second goal by Stahl, he turned the puck over twice at his own blue line. Now, those are the things the coaches are going to remember. Yep. They're not going to remember when you tip the puck in for a goal. They're going to remember when you had two chances to get it out the blue line. And that's what's going to be the increase or decrease of your ice time. So Yamamoto's come in and done everything he's needed to do. And for him, he just wants to live another day, and hopefully he'll get that chance on Wednesday to go out and impress again. 6-2, Carolina all over Edmonton tonight, 780-496-0063. Brock, thanks for standing by while we got Coach McClellan on. Go ahead, Brock. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, just uh, I just want to talk about Yamamoto, and I think uh, I kind of relate him to more of the, the – the Gagnier, Cogliano, Everly kind of level of player than the, than the um, McDavid and Dreisaitl, obviously. So I just want to be careful with him. I don't want to rush him too much. I don't think he's a kid that makes us win or lose this year. I think we're going to be a good team, and I don't know if he puts us over the edge. So I'd rather have a plan for our team in, in two, three, four, five, ten years than having to have all those promising kids where we're all the we went through and none of them back. So that's my take on him. I'm excited for him. I'm I, I'm cheering for the underdog, 155-pound, 18-year-old. Doesn't shouldn't be there. We're right, but I, I want to do it right with this guy instead of instead of hurrying him along. Just Brock, my take. I'll hang up and listen to you guys go. No, okay. I guess he's got to go. I, I wanted to ask Brock if he would be comfortable with. Yamamoto getting the nine games before the first year of his entry-level contract kicks in. I mean, I wonder if he plays the next two games and scores again, or is really good again. If if he still gets sent back to Spokane, it it like again, it, it's a great dilemma. It's a it's a heck of a lot more interesting discussion than, than we've had in in previous preseasons. Um, but but. <laughs> But, I mean, at the very least, he's, he's fun to watch in the well, preseason. Well, is, and that's the thing. What if he scores a goal Wednesday, and then they play him again, and he scores a goal Saturday, and he ends up leading the National Hockey League in goals in the preseason? And then they say, all right, you know what? You led the NHL in goals, but we're going to send you back to junior. I, they don't have to make a decision for October 4th against Calgary. He could play that game. They don't have to make a decision the next. It'll be after nine games when they make a decision whether it's worth it to burn a year of his contract. Again, we're still a ways away from that. He still has two more games to play, but what he has done so far has certainly put himself in the mix to be here and in the starting lineup against the Calgary Flames. 6-2, a dominating performance by the Carolina Hurricanes. Their coach going into his fourth season there, trying to get them into the playoffs, is Bill Peters. Here he is. Well, you know what? We had some five-on-threes we took advantage of, right? You're not going to get those every night, but we took advantage of those. And you know, we gave one up on the penalty kill, but we got it back with the Walmart shorthanded goal. So there's some good things on uh, both specialty team units, and we continue to work as we go along. How important was it to get that 2-1 lead right after they tied it up after you carried the play? Well, you know what, it's important, but, uh, you know, we uh, you know we struggled a little bit on their first goal. There's some assignments that we could have done a better job of, and uh, we'll learn from that and move on. But uh, I, I liked our start. I liked the way uh, we were able to roll four lines, and I thought our D were, were moving the puck and it gave us the ability to play fast. Darling and Ned. His first game, what'd you think? Yeah, no, he's good. He was good. Uh, you know, we could have could have had a box out on the first one, right? And so then the second one was good uh, tip up high by their guy, the man in the middle there had a got a stick on it, so I didn't think he had much chance on either one of those two. And then he made some big saves and he's he's gonna be good for us. We're excited about our goaltending and uh, excited about the moves we made this summer. How do you build the communication between defense and goaltender? Well, you work on the goalie D exchange every day. We work on it in some fashion every day. We got specific drills that we use, and uh, we'll just beat them to death with it, and eventually they get it. As long as you communicate and work hard to get in good spots, then the goalie has options. How's the pickup on that? No, it's been good. No, it's been really good. 
And, uh, you know, both guys play the puck well. Cam Ward plays the puck real well, and that helps and it saves wear and tear on your D going back on pucks. In year two, do you sense Terrifying is more comfortable in the system and sort of feels like he fits in? Yeah, you know, I think it's a it's an adjustment anytime we acquired Turbo in the off season, so that's a shock when you you know you get traded. So that's something new, and uh, you got to learn a new system, and it's a new city and new surroundings and everything else. So he'll be much more comfortable this year. He's gotten off to a good start here in training camp, and we've added to our overall skill. And he's a skilled guy. So now when you have skilled guys playing with skilled guys, you're able to do a few things. What can you take? From these victories here in the preseason as you continue to build towards opening night? Well, you know what? We've still got so many things that we haven't touched on. We've been busy, right? Played a lot of games and been in the air a little bit, so we're fortunate we don't open till the 7th, so we've got a real good plan of what we're going to do in those practice days that are going to allow us to fine-tune our team a little bit, and there's just a lot of things we've got to get to, but guys have worked hard and guys have done a good job, you know, competing, uh, and 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 playing and playing hard and playing the right way. Good? Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, Scott Johnson working the visitors' locker room for us tonight. Head coach Bill Peters. Carolina walking into Rogers' place, dominating 6-2. They're, they're going to be interesting to watch, just for a quick chat about them. And obviously, we'll see them again Wednesday. The Oilers and, and Hurricanes are going to meet in Saskatoon. They have the longest active playoff drought in the NHL at eight years. So we know what uh, a long drought is like here in Edmonton. Bill Peters is going into his fourth season, so they've committed to a coach here to try to get him out of that. Just 71 points his first year, then 86, then 87. And their save percentage last year, Rob, as, as the team save percentage, was 901. So they bring in Darling to kind of to be what Talbot was a couple mm-hmm. of years ago for the Oilers. He was the backup on a good team, had a good win-loss record, playing about a third of the games, a little less than a third, I guess, for Chicago. So, the, you know, they, they were 20th in goals for, you know, not great, but you can actually, you know, you can get by if you keep your goals against down, and, and they were 18th in goals against, so they want to move up with that. You know, it's interesting. You look at those 87 points, not, not a sexy number. Finishing over 500 isn't what it used to be with the overtime losses. But, you know, Rob, you look at that 87 points. Another point a month gets them up to 93. Another win a month gets them up, you know, to yeah. 90, 95, 97, 99. And then you're in. That's how tight it is. And that's what they're going to try to scratch Well, out. I believe they, they, they had a horrible start last year, didn't they? And then they had a bunch of injuries. I think that's what got them into trouble. They went out and, and got a goaltender who uh, has, uh, was fantastic with Chicago. So they got a goalie they believe is going to be their star. They went out and got some veteran leadership by bringing Williams back. They've got a ton of good quality young hockey players. Their defense, fun to watch. They move the puck well. They skate well. They transition the puck. Uh, it, I, I do believe that this is a team that's moving up. And I, if, if tonight is any indication of the, the work ethic they bring each and every game, then it's a team that you're going to have to fear. So I, I don't. They don't have any real sexy stars up front that are going to score you 90, 100 points. But they seem to have a lot of guys that are going to be in the 50-point range. And with the defense that they have and a power play tonight that <laughs> looked pretty good, uh, they've got a chance. And the one thing that you do like is they seem to start with the puck all the time. Is they were the best face-off team in the National Hockey League last year. And tonight it seemed like they seemed to win every big face-off that they needed to again. Uh, obviously, we should we should touch on if people are wondering uh, why we're not talking about this player. Derek Ryan, the former U of A Golden Bear, did not play tonight. We had him on during the first intermission, so he's expected to play for Carolina in uh, Saskatoon on Wednesday. Uh, as a Golden Bear, Derek would have played several games in Saskatoon in a much smaller and more rust-filled rink than what he's going to be playing. On Wednesday night, uh, Old Rutherford Rink, I, I believe still the only rink in the country where there are rust delays because of material falling off the roof. That's kind of gross. It is. <laughs> Stop time. Kind of gross. It is gross. Got to go shave the rust off the ice. Uh, Carolina last season started 2-4-2 two, and two in October, and then they only won one of their first five yeah, they were 3-6-4 and four on November 10th. So you're already uh, 
You're already good. They were 10-2 and 5 in March. Yeah, they, they came year. on at yeah. the end of the year. I thought I, I tend to remember they had some injury problems and, and poor goaltending to start the season and got them behind the eight ball. And they made a push at the end of the year just to push too late. All right. You're going to hear from Kyler Yamamoto when we get back. He scores again, but not nearly enough for the Oilers tonight. They lose 6-2. We do have open lines available, 780-496-0063. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 6.30 20 seconds left in the power play. Maroon up over the line looking for Nugent Hopkins. Plays it back to the point for Benning. A long shot. The bucket scores! Who else? Tyler Yamamoto! So Yamamoto with five goals in four preseason games. He was the third star tonight. You will hear from him in a couple of minutes. Overall, a very poor effort by your Edmonton Oilers, who are beaten 6-2 by the Carolina Hurricanes. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It's 10:20. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. You can talk to us at 780-496-0063, and we have Jordan on the line. Hey, Jordan, good to hear from you. Hey, how are you? Yeah, we're doing great. Good, good. Uh, just got one statement, or one statement on two players, and then a question for you. Okay. Uh, I want to say McDavid looked good tonight, but he needs to shoot more. And Nugent Hopkins uh, looked real good all game, I thought. I agree with both um, both of those comments, absolutely. My question for you is, do you think the Oilers peaked too early? Uh, no. I, I mean, you play to win. And, and honestly, I, before the game, I said, you know, a, a loss isn't going to hurt you simply because eventually the odds say you're going to lose a game. I'd rather be right here in exhibition season than being the home opener. Uh, the Oilers won the games they played earlier because they, they played well in them and they played against a, a number of teams that sent um, subpar lineups. So they should have won those games. Tonight was a game that they played against a very good Carolina team who sent you know close to a full lineup and were outworked. I think it's an eye-opener. I think that Tom McClellan's going to have a good video session and good practice session with these guys and show them, you know what, don't read the headlines. The 5-0 start means nothing in preseason. We have to be better, and here's ways we're going to get better. Sounds yeah. awesome. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, they were 5-0 and coming in. We didn't see the, the full game in Calgary. But that, it was a pretty good Calgary lineup. Team they played in Winnipeg. Like I said, the one stat I used was yep. the Jets were dressing their top eight leading scorers from last season, and Mason, who they hope to be their number one goalie. And I think that was a game where, even though the Oilers started so, they outworked the Jets in that yep. game. Of you know, over the full sixty minutes, like Carolina did to the Oilers tonight. So yeah, I mean, Carolina was w- was better tonight. I'm not concerned about any peaking too early or too many wins in the preseason. I do expect to the the Oilers to be a, a good team again. They want to become a great team. And, but I, I, I think, like Todd said in his post-game comments there, you know, now now we got to get to work, and some guys were maybe taking some shortcuts, some paraphrasing, but not moving their feet, not not focused enough tonight. And, and I think that's, and that's what made the Oilers better last year is they didn't have extended runs of well they won one of 13 or they won two out of 10 I mean they had a five game losing streak other than that yeah there were frustrating nights but there wasn't a lot of huge lulls in their season and dealing with games like this and and refocusing and rebounding the the good teams do that quickly the losses the losses don't mount and then you can go on extended run and the example of you know we can use from recent games is look in the playoffs, Rob. The Oilers had two series. In the first series, there was a game that ended 7-0. In the second series, there was a game that ended 7-1. The teams that lost those games won both mm-hmm. series. So, you know, I think they'll I think they'll recover from well, this and understand what they have to do. It's one game. Every good team has bad games. There's no team that I've ever seen has gone 82-0 and zero during the regular season. So, you know, you learn from it. I mean, take advantage of a loss by going out there and being better the next time you play. 780-496-0063 is how you can get us. Let's go down to the Oilers' room, courtesy of GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. He scored again tonight, Kyler Yamamoto. Kind of going well. Is this all happening? 
yeah, it's 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 tough, you know, you know, being played with the best player, but you know, he's really good off the ice, you know, he just says play my game and um, you're here for a reason, so it helps me out a lot and um, you know, he's a good guy all around. What do you feel like like we're getting down to that point in camp now, there's only two games left. Uh, you know, where they're starting to really pick the team. You're still here for now and who knows where it goes, but what's it like being you here right now? Um, it's awesome. The guys have been great. Um, just being able to hang around them um, day in and day out, it's, uh, it's been a dream come true. And, um, you know, I just keep trying to work my hardest every day and um, keep trying to make the team. Do you think you've got a shot? Um, you know, never say never. Um, that's my motto. But, uh, you know, just keep putting my head down every day and working as hard as I can. Is it about, we always talk about stats too. I mean, in your case, you've got, you obviously you've got five goals, but yeah, you have to look at what the coaches are looking at, all the other stuff you got to do too. Goals and assists, but got to do the other stuff too that the coaches are noticing. Yeah. Player, yeah, all, all those other things, um, you know, a lot of things I could be better at. Um, you know, it's not just the stats on the square sheet. You know, I got to do everything in the game right. And, um, you know, if they, if they don't like it, they're definitely going to, you know, come talk to me, which is nice. So, um, you know, just keep working day in and day out and getting better every day. How much do they talk to you about the other things? Um, you know, quite a bit. Uh, they're, always, they're always taking me in the video so, um, throughout the day, so it's good. Good. Yeah. Super. Thanks. Read that, Scarlett all right, thanks, Brendan. Work in the Oilers' locker room tonight. Never say never. I guess that's his Yamamoto. Oh, that's good. Oh, Gene Prince just possessed me for a second. You've been waiting to use that. <laughs> I love his, yeah, I just working hard, put my head down. Oh, next question. Yep, just working hard, put my head down. But I think he understands it. He, he, he's a smart kid. And he says, yeah, stats are one thing, but they want me to do the other things. And that's the things they're talking about. And that's what I was talking about, Pooley Arvey, Ryan, Ryan Strom. They've they're looking to see who does the right things in his own zone, who gets the pucks out, who knows their defensive assignments, who's good on the forecheck, who doesn't cheat in the offensive zone. Because the goals, some of them, I mean, some of them are just good breaks that some of the goals that have been scored so far in the preseason, sometimes they dry up. And if they dry up, you better be able to play the other parts of the game and have success at it. And that's the one place that I believe Yamamoto has had a, a leg up on the other players. I, I, he's just a smart player that seems to soak in everything he's being told right now and apply it to the rest of his game. The thing I, I like about him is he doesn't stop moving in no. the offensive zone. No. He, he's moving to put, get, make himself available for the pass. And the one thing, Rob, like you and I, and I, I watch even differently now, having spent time with you watching games, and we talk about going to the net, the, the, the score zone that you'd sooner have a four foot shot than a 40 foot shot and it's one thing to go to the net but you have to be like we talked about in the strom you have to be inside the defenseman right if, if you can if it's great if you're six feet from the net but if there's a defenseman between you and the other team's goalie you're probably not and Yamamoto he works the little angles and, and shifting his body to try to get Closer than than the nearest defender. That's how Strom Strom scored tonight. And Yamamoto, like he's 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 not passive offensively. He's always working to get a better position, and that, I think that's helped him. Well, it certainly has. And as you said, he never stops moving, and he he keeps plays alive because. He, the defender that takes the puck, whether I have the puck, he thinks, okay, got it a second, I can make a play. And all of a sudden, Yamamoto's there with back pressure. Or he gets his stick in there. He doesn't quit on plays. And a lot of times, it's not him getting the turnover, but he creates the turnover for one of his line mates to swoop in. That's why it was so beneficial when he started playing with Connor there later in the game. He was creating turnovers where Connor McDavid, who is smart and reads the play, gets to the right areas, and he all of a sudden has the puck on his stick. Now you're in business with the best player, puck on his stick in an offensive zone. 6-2, however, Carolina beating Edmonton tonight. They were the, the better team throughout. Their power play goes three for six, including two goals with a two-man advantage. Edmonton's power play was one for four, but Carolina scored shorthanded tonight. The, the Yamamoto, good game for the Oilers, but clearly uh, Carolina the better team. As we check the advantage, Trailer Rentals out-of-town scoreboard, so the Devils played split-squad games against different teams. The Kraft-Hockeyville game in Prince Edward Island, the Devils beat the Senators 8-1. 
New Jersey also visited the New York Islanders. The Islanders won that game 3-0. Bruins over Blackhawks 4-2. Rangers edging the Flyers 3-2 in overtime. McDonough gets the game winner. Toronto hammering Montreal 5-1. Detroit beats Pittsburgh 4-1. The Jets on home ice knocking off the Flames 5-2. Colorado wins 4-2 in Dallas. And after two, it is Arizona 4, Anaheim 3. Monday Night Football, Dallas beat Arizona 28-17. Okay, if you're on hold, we're getting to you after the news. You'll also hear from Milan Lucic and Cam Talbot. We'll go into the Carolina dressing room one more time as well. 6-2, the Canes take it. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. From the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30, Chad. Tuning in tonight, it's 10.35. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, high above the ice surface at Rogers Place. Man, they have lifted that scoreboard. We've We've seen it down right barely feet above the ice, and then they can lift it right up where it's pretty much touching the rafters. I'd be a little worried to be that Zamboni driver every time I go through the middle. I think I'd have a guy on the side just giving me the thumbs up or down just to make sure it's still <laughs> on the top of the, the ceiling. Yeah, massive. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I think most people know about it now, but it, it is a heck of a screen to watch the replays on, and uh, just Whoa. you can watch the game on it. Sometimes it's better than Well, we spend a lot of time it. looking at it from way up here. It was uh, busy tonight under the Carolina Hurricanes column. 6-2, the Canes win it. They scored a power play goal six and a half minutes in. The Oilers tied it with a Strom goal late in the first. It was only tied for a minute and three seconds. Terravine and scored again. Carolina pulled away. They're up 4-1. Yamamoto made it 4-2. And then uh, Stahl scored twice in the third period to really put it away for Carolina. Uh, The shots, by the way, 29-21 Carolina. 15-4 after the first period. Edmonton uh, simply not good enough tonight. You heard Todd McClellan say that a little earlier. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can text us to 630-630. Let's go down to the Oilers' room. Brendan Ulrich has Milan Lucic. Milan, just uh, sum up that one for us. Uh, Just one of those nights we're not allowing right for you guys right from the get-go. I think it was more than uh, it not going right for us. It was just... uh, a team that was uh, ready to work and a, and a team where I think maybe the preseason games leading up to this one was a little was a little too easy and uh, they were ready to play and, and we weren't and they put us on our heel, heels early and the score was a reflection of the team that was ready to work and, uh, and play uh, play tonight. Did you guys learn a little bit of a lesson with the penalties and how they're going to call it here in the regular season that you guys simply can't get in penalty trouble early in hockey games? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we know uh, around the league that they've been calling it a lot more tight and uh, it's just it's up to us to keep our sticks on the ice and, and, and not get those stick infractions and, and stuff like that and, and, and be smart so uh, I think I think sometimes games like this uh, especially right now is a blessing in the skies and uh, I know we're going to we're going to learn a lot from uh, from this game here tonight. You mentioned learning a lot, the special teams as well. I'm sure there's a lot you guys like to clean up uh, on both ends of uh, the special teams. Yeah, for sure. You give up uh, Three, uh, you know, three power play goals and and one shorthanded and uh, you know and only can get one on the power play. So you want to power play was a weapon for us last year, so we got to clean it up. We got nine, eight days starting tomorrow to clean that up. That's one. Yeah. Three. That's one. All right, Brendan Ulrich, one on one with Milan Lucic, uh, certainly reflecting the uh, the work ethic uh, issues that Todd McClellan talked about, and uh, some some of the opponents that the Oilers have uh, played with varying degrees of strength in their lineup. Six two, Carolina dominates tonight over the Edmonton Oilers, and we'll we'll hear from Jordan Stahl in a couple of minutes. He scored two for the Canes. Uh, you can text 630-630 as well. This texture says, Fane, Simpson, and Larson looked engaged. Yamamoto, Connor, and Hopkins, the only three forwards who looked engaged. Everyone else looked kind of disinterested, especially Strom, Jokinen, and uh, and Kajula. Yeah, I mean, I think there were a lot of guys who didn't ha- have, have good games, uh, obviously. We actually talked about Adam Larson before the game. He took a couple penalties. Uh, I didn't think he had a great night by his standards. It's interesting he brings up the pairing of Fane and Simpson. I mean, Mark Fain at one point was in the top pairing for the Edmonton Oilers. He's now become basically a, a farmhand, though he's fighting maybe to be here in a, in a depth row. And Dylan Simpson, a guy who's younger guy who's pushing as well. Well, it's, it's funny. After the game, Bob asked if I thought there'd be any cuts after tonight's game. And 
up and down the lineup, it was a strong lineup for the Oilers. I guess if there were to be anyone that would be released, I mean, the possibility would be Fane and Simpson. Uh, Fane, yeah, I mean, he ended up being a third-pairing defenseman down in the minors last year. It was a, you know, a tough fall from where he was and where he was ex- his expectations were coming to Edmonton to where he is now. I think that, and you and I have talked about it, we feel that the number six spot will be Eric Griba. He hasn't done anything to hurt his chances that we've seen so far in the preseason, and now the other guys are all fighting to be the seven and or eight, depending on how many Oilers defensemen they keep. So uh, the the caller said that who played well, who didn't. To me, it was this was just a team effort that was just not near good enough, and I think up and down the lineup, everyone in that dressing room, dressing room will say that this was not an effort that they're proud of. 6-2, Carolina wins it. Jordan Stahl scored twice in the third period for the Canes. Here he is. So you play like this in the regular season, it'll mean something. What do you take uh, from tonight? Yeah, um, you know, obviously it's it's never a bad thing losing, or winning, sorry, and, uh, um, and obviously uh, it's a lot of good things that we've uh, tried to build on, and um, our game's been consistently getting quicker, and um, and um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a good start. If you look at first period, 18 minutes, great, and then they score. And you're thinking, oh, did we give it all up, or what was going through your mind? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's never nice uh, um, um, controlling most of the play and uh, and getting one. I thought we did a great job of responding with uh, another power play goal quick, um, just to kind of nullify that, and um, and then we like I said, continued to build a game. Um, uh, the big man in that played well and made some key saves uh, when it was kind of still close. So it was uh, it was good to see that. And then uh, you know we continued to uh, move forward and uh, and got a couple extra. Tonight with a lot of special teams goals, was it kind of surprising to score two even strength markers? <laughs> um, it's always good um, scoring five and five. Uh, it was surprising or not? But, uh, um, you know it's uh, it's something that. Um, us as a group um, know that our power play's got to be good, our PK's got to be good, but 5-on-5's um, five been, uh, um, scoring-wise, has been uh, something that we have to continue to get better at, so it's, uh, it's nice to get a couple there. All right, that's Jordan Stahl, two for the Hurricanes. Scott Johnson working the visitors' dressing room tonight. Rob, through the Oilers' first five games, we generally praised their structure, their organization that allowed them to be successful in those games. What was it about Carolina's structure tonight that was so good and really had the Oilers hemmed in a lot? Well, I think there's a few things. One, they're backtracking on pucks. If they lost the puck in the offensive zone, they didn't quit on the play. They they, they fought back. So say Pugliarvi or say Nugent, anyone, an Oiler would have the puck. He's got past his man. Now he's looking to make a play. Well, the guy that he beat is now caught up to him and is now stripping him of the puck. The Hurricanes did that all over the ice. The other thing that I really liked about the Hurricanes game tonight was their support. Every time the Hurricane had a puck, he had someone within eight feet of him to make a play to, especially in their own zone. So a guy would chip it behind the net to a guy who gave him an outlet. That guy would have a guy right on the boards waiting for the puck. He'd move it up to him. That guy would have the centerman coming in low support so he could move it to him. So they didn't have to make, you know, cross ice through the seam passes that could get knocked down. All of their passes seemed to be 10-foot passes tape to tape with no one in between them. So they were very good at giving support, which makes it very easy coming out of your own zone. Whereas the Oilers, a lot tonight, they had passes that were tipped, knocked down, stolen, and they were going back the other way. So Carolina did a good job getting sticks in lanes, and the Oilers just didn't have the support that they normally have. Yeah, I, I, I love how you mentioned those short passes. The you know, the least sexy pass in, in hockey, but sometimes the most important because it's a it's a quick way to move the puck out. And I, I, I think it was one of the first two years you and I did the games together. Obviously, the Oilers weren't good. And, and remember, they would have stretches of games where they'd get to their own blue line and they'd try a diagonal pass all the way across the neutral zone to a guy at the far blue line. If it connected great you might get a break but often anyway that guy was standing still because he was he was camping out there and then most of the time it, it didn't even get through and it's coming back the other way well and you talked about structure for short passes to be successful everyone on the ice has to buy into it because you it takes you three four passes to get from your zone to the far blue line but if everyone's buying in 
then you're going to have success and you're going to have high success because there's no turnovers because you're so close to your to your teammate that you're making the pass to. Carolina was very good at that tonight. They're going to be an interesting team to watch for sure once we get into the regular season and you'll uh, see them again quite soon. They have, this is the, at least the second, I think maybe the third year in a row, they've come to Edmonton in October. They will be here for a regular season game on Tuesday the 17th and I was talking to one of their broadcasters, there is a state fair every October so they aren't allowed to play any home games while that's going on so they get out of there well we I guess we have the the rodeo for years went through yep. the old Edmonton Oilers well, arena now we have the PBR here for a weekend in, uh, yeah. in November as well well so. I know in Chicago when I played in the minors there we used to always get kicked out because the circus would come through mm-hmm. just like New York City always has that too it's really cool when the circus goes to New York City to Madison Square Gardens because you'll go play there and then like it's it's way up there. Like I can't remember what floor the the arena is on, but it's quite a ways up. So you could go under floors underneath the arena, and you go under them. There's one floor that has all the animals. Wow! And you could go there. Like they'd all be in the cages: the lions, the tigers, the elephants. And you could walk down this. It's so cool. And they the security guards would let us in there every once in a while just to go down and see all the tigers and stuff. It was cool. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Okay, 6-2 Carolina beating Edmonton tonight here at Rogers Place. They own this one throughout the evening. These teams will play again in Saskatoon. That'll be Wednesday night. We'll have it on Chad, 5.30 for the face-off show, 7 o'clock for the drop of the puck. Then the Oilers play their last preseason game in Vancouver on Saturday, so they don't have a home game until next Wednesday, October 4th. The home opener. The home opener against the Calgary Flames. That'll be fun. The Oilers have been wearing their new white jerseys. It may be hard to tell. They look similar, but they are slightly redesigned with the white jerseys. The brand new orange jerseys that is now the the home color. Those will be, well, you can already get them in, in stores, but they will wear them in a game for the first time on Wednesday, October 4th. That's pretty exciting. If you're in, I, I mentioned that I, it's weird. It's, with jerseys, I know some people don't care, but some people are really interested in it, so I, I do mention it. But I was talking to one of the other media guys the other day, and he's like, he was like, did they wear orange last year? <laughs> I was like, yeah, they were an alternate, and they wore them playoffs. He's like, I don't even remember. He's like, people are saying these white ones are different. I was like, yeah, like if you look at them close, it they're changed. He's like, I, he's like, I don't even remember what they wear each game. But some people are really interested, and they want to always have the New Jersey or just like the colors. So I mention it. Well, it's true. I mean, it's. It, it's another thing to follow with your team if you're really invested, right? That's true. I mean, I like the I like the white ones. I think they look sharp. They do look a little different. I think they look sharp. I, the one cool thing about the the orange jerseys is is how it turns the entire arena into an orange crush, as we saw in the playoffs. So that's kind of cool. Although I I love their old blue jerseys too. I, I think the Oilers have always been one of those organizations that have had good jerseys. They, they and I. I mean, I think they went through that one where they had the steel-looking thing on the front. Oh, the flying well drum. Yeah, I wasn't as excited about like that, that one. one eh? No, no, but <laughs> the, 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 the jerseys they have now, I've always liked them, and they're just a sharp-looking jersey. 6-2, Carolina wins it tonight. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Let's hear from Oilers goaltender Cam Talbot. See this one from the start. Uh, weren't a lot of shots being um, put on net by your team, but how did you see this one from the start to finish? I mean, they pretty much dominated the play for the most part in the first. We didn't really come uh, ready to play, and, and they made us pay for it early. So um, they're, a, they're a tough team, very disciplined in their systems and, and in their in the way they play, and um, that was an NHL game tonight, and uh, we weren't really ready for it. You'd think that maybe like that goal by Strom would have gotten you guys going, but it's really hard for a team to kind of generate momentum when they're getting penalized as much as you guys were early. Yeah, we didn't have our feet moving, and we uh, used our sticks a little bit too much, and... Now, in this, especially in the preseason now, they're calling those all the time. So uh, they made us pay a lot on the power play tonight. So um, our special teams are going to have uh, to get better, starting with me. Goaltender's got to be your best penalty killer, and I wasn't. So um, starts from the net out, and we'll fix some stuff in the next couple games and be ready for next Wednesday. In front of you, what have you seen from the rookie Yamamoto? He's got five goals in the preseason. I mean, he doesn't back down from anyone. He goes to those dirty areas, and he's pretty good around the net. You can see the way he, his hand-eye in front, he bats the pucks out of the air. He's good around the net, smart hockey sense. So uh, it's nice to see him uh, contribute like that. And, I mean, that's uh, what you expect out of a guy like that. He comes in, he works really hard every day, and, and he proves himself. So good for him. 
I know you're not taking the penalties, but uh, with the way they're calling all the penalties, is that maybe a lesson tonight where you guys simply can't get in penalty trouble early in hockey games? Yeah, I mean, especially right now when you're our penalty kill is not really at the top of his game where um, you can't afford to be in the box. I mean, that's they have four special team goals tonight, three in the power play. I gave one away shorthanded, but I mean, uh, that's the game right there. It's 2 2 other than that. So uh, we got to find a way to, to get our feet moving, keep our sticks down, and just, um, you know, go for the puck and, and not for the guys sticking hands because they're calling that all the time now. So just got to learn to stay out of the box. We got a couple more games here to clean it up. Thanks, Cam. Yep. Read that, so I can't tell it. All right, thanks a lot, Brendan. Yeah, the Oilers did take too many penalties tonight. They were two men down twice. Carolina scored on both of them. Rob, when you, when you have a five-on-three, does the setup and mentality change for a power play unit as opposed to when they're on a five-on-four? Uh, yeah, it, it does. On a five-on-four, you usually see an overload. There, there's a couple ways they do. A lot of guys have three. A lot of teams have three guys up top, but eventually it turns into an overload. And he, for the Oilers, you always see McDavid dry settle on one side. You'll have Latestu back door, and you have a guy in front, and you always work it through McDavid dry settle, trying to find that one play. And a, you're looking for a big shot, and then from there scramble happens, and that's where you start to attack the net. With a five on three, it's like a box with a guy in the middle. And you just are moving around. Now you're looking for a wide open guy because someone is going to have a wide open shot. A lot of the times it's a defenseman coming down from the top. He's going to have a one-timer, wide open one-timer. We saw that a couple times tonight. And if you don't get the puck out like we saw tonight on the 5-on-3 Latestu, then you're in a lot of trouble because you overloaded his penalty killers. You didn't get the puck out. Now you're done. And the Carolina Hurricanes had two guys in front to bat in a puck. But, yeah, it, it's an overload when you're on a 5-on-4 and it's a 4 it's a box with one in the middle when you're on a five-on-three. Carolina, very good tonight. They take it 6-2. Okay, looking ahead to the rematch here on Wednesday night, we, we expect there to be fewer NHL regular-type players in the lineup. Uh, I mean, from an Oilers standpoint, you could see Brad Malone again, uh, a guy who had a couple goals the, the other night, so they could work a few more players in like that. But we expect you'd probably see Yamamoto again. You'd probably see Puglia Yarvi again. Wouldn't be surprised me if Laurent Persuad gets the 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 game in net so is i mean i guess first of all you look for the orders to bounce back effort wise and then i suppose the battle continues with some of the younger guys to uh make a decision tough here for the coaches and the managers we, not only making a decision tough for what happens up here but we talked with brad malone the other day after the game and he wants to be noticed so that if someone gets hurt up here if there's call-ups that are being called up he wants to move up in the pecking order to get called up and a lot of the guys that you probably will see in the game on wednesday will be guys that are going to play in the minors and right now they're playing to be higher on the totem pole so that if injuries or lackluster play eventually come into play here in the regular season, they will be the guys getting called up from the minors. So that's what you're going to see a lot of on Wednesday. For the majority of those players, it will be their last audition for the coaches and the GM here. All right, Rob, we'll see you on Wednesday night. Sounds good. That game from Saskatoon, Oilers against Carolina on 6.30. Ched, we will have the face-off show at 5.30. The puck will drop at 7. The Oilers uh, can't do much worse than they did tonight, losing 6-2 to the Canes. Teravainen with 2, Stahl with 2, Strom and Yamamoto getting the goals for your Edmonton Oilers. You can get more, of course, on 6.30ched.com. Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 7.30. Jason Moss in studio with Morley Scott from 7.30 to the Eskimos back at practice today. They've signed Swayze Waters to be the field goal kicker on Saturday when they host Winnipeg. Aaron Grimes back at practice today and uh, looks like he will likely play Saturday against the Bombers. So we'll have more on that. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Our engineer here at Rogers Place is Troy Bowler. Hurricane 6, Oilers 2. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auction Broadcast Centre. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.